The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Tell me, tell me why. This is a real industry challenge, and we're working. No, 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 it's not industry. This is TikTok. It's we're talking about TikTok. We're talking about why is it that you can't control this? From Bloomberg News and iHeartRadio, it's the Big Take. I'm Wes Kosova. Today, Washington puts TikTok in the hot seat. If TikTok CEO Sho Chu thought he could calm fears in Washington that the company is handing over Americans' user data to the Chinese government, well, he quickly learned otherwise. The committee will come to order. Before I begin, I'd like when to Chu stepped into a hearing room in the U.S. Capitol, he was grilled for hours by angry members of Congress, Democrats and Republicans alike, and they were in no mood to be mollified. TikTok told us that you weren't tracking the geolocation of American citizens. You were. TikTok told us you weren't spying on journalists. You were. And I have to tell you, I came to this hearing interested to hear the actions that TikTok is taking to combat misinformation, protect our young people, and ensure our national security. But I, I've not been reassured by anything you've said so far. And I think, quite frankly, um, your testimony has raised more questions for me uh, than answers. If anything, the tensions between Washington and TikTok may now be worse than they were before. Bloomberg reporters Alex Barinka. They are really thinking about the specter of a really powerful adversary in China that's kind of looming over TikTok. And Anna Edgerton. The most dangerous thing for TikTok that came out of this hearing was that every word that Chu said now becomes material for the app's critics. Have been covering this story and what happens next in this increasingly tense standoff. Alex, I think when TikTok CEO Sho Chu walked into that hearing room, he thought maybe he would be able to persuade lawmakers that they didn't have anything to be concerned about. But by the time he walked out, it was pretty clear that was not the case. Yeah, I talked to people close to the company before this even happened, and that was exactly their goal and how they were prepping him. They talked about asking him to stay within his body, be really calm, and lean into the facts that he so often likes to give. He sees TikTok's position with all of these questions swirling around them that they are going to answer the questions with facts in action. And he thought he would have this opportunity to come in with those actions they're taking around data privacy, around protecting users and trust and safety on the platform and kind of lay those out. 
he didn't get that opportunity. He basically walked into a room that from the drop, from the opening statements from the lawmakers, uh, was really clear that they were coming from a stance of disbelief to anything he was going to say. So it was almost kind of a situation that would have been really tough to navigate out of. We had talked before the hearing about how the best case scenario for TikTok was kind of a low news day, um, not making things any worse. But after the hearing, even during during the hearing, there was kind of this fervor whipped up, not only in the hearing room, but our inboxes and our colleagues were hearing from senators in the other um, part of Congress, from other regulators who were chiming in. Even Janet Yellen had her moment where she was fielding questions about TikTok. It became a very kind of feverish moment, and they just did not get out of this unscathed. I think there were a few moments that really showed what she was up against. And right from the beginning, we saw Kathy McMorris-Rogers, the Republican chair of the committee, come out in her opening statement and say, we think TikTok should be banned. So that's what he was starting with. And that's what kind of the environment that he was walking into. When he really got into trouble was when he was asked yes or no questions because he didn't have a satisfactory answer. For example, when he was asked by Republican Neil Dunn from Florida whether or not ByteDance, TikTok's Chinese owner, spies on U.S. citizens through the app. The only answer he could have given that would have been satisfactory was no. But that's not what he said. I ask you again, Mr. Chu, has ByteDance spied on American citizens? I don't think the spying is the right way to describe it. Right. This is ultimately... We can differ on this that. Is, this is ultimately an internal... There was another moment when Ohio Representative Bob Latta asked Chu, yes or no, do Chinese employees, including engineers, have access to U.S. user data? Today, all um, U.S. user data is stored by default in the Oracle cloud infrastructure question, and access to that is controlled is, do any by American personnel. Dance employees in China, including engineers, currently have access to U.S. data? Uh, Congressman, uh, I would appreciate this. This is a complex uh, topic. In the room, that response drew incredulous chuckles from lawmakers and folks in the gallery. We're going to come back and talk more about this hearing and where it leaves this battle between Washington and TikTok a little bit later in the show. But Alex, let's just take a moment to sort of recap exactly what is this argument between lawmakers and TikTok. This argument between TikTok and the U.S. government has actually gone on for two presidential administrations. This started back when Trump wanted to ban the app because he was worried about its connections to China because of its parent company. There was an executive order that was ultimately tossed by the courts and kind of put aside by the Biden administration. And in the past year, these concerns around China's influence on TikTok have really been whipped up, even with kind of new faces in the U.S. government. Behind the scenes, there is also this undercurrent that follows all social media companies of what does this mean for young people on the app? Uh, how does this app impact youth's mental health? Then you have in the last, you know, six months, a lot of the rhetoric and action from the the U.S. government toward China has gotten a lot more confrontational. So as these things have kind of layered together, it's put TikTok in a really tough position and one that they just haven't been able to navigate out of. Anna, why is the U.S. government going after TikTok? 
Well, there are two main things that lawmakers are concerned about. The first is the national security concerns, and this has to do with TikTok's Chinese parent company, ByteDance, which is based in Beijing. So they're concerned that that company kind of put a thumb on the scale of the algorithm and slightly influence what U.S. users see. Now, this could be content about Hong Kong or content about the oppression of Uyghurs in Xinjiang, just slightly tweaking what Americans see on TikTok and thus their perception of reality. And they're also concerned about U.S. user data getting to China. Now, this is not a really big concern for individuals, but when you look at 100 million Americans using this app for so many minutes of the day, that gives potentially the Chinese government an aggregate idea of what Americans care about and what they're spending their time on. TikTok's platform really set off this boom of algorithmically generated content. They have this really sophisticated algorithm that knows you, as folks joke online, better than you even know yourself. So in China, the government can request in secret any kind of data they want from any of the domestic companies. So the like pure delightfulness and the reason why people are spending so much time on this app here in the U.S. ends up doubling down and looking that much more sinister because there's some kind of connection to China through TikTok's parentage. And uh, what exactly is the U.S. afraid that China is going to do with people dancing and showing pictures of their pets and doing challenges and all the kinds of stuff that people do on TikTok? Yeah, I think it's more kind of like that detailed understanding of American society. I mean, like Alex was saying, this app is so deeply ingrained, especially in almost an entire generation of young people. Like they're like defined almost as the TikTok generation. We heard from FBI Director Christopher Wray last week calling this a really powerful surveillance weapon. Uh, we've also heard lawmakers comparing it to a Chinese spy balloon in your pocket. Getting at that image is like, this is potentially a company beholden to the Chinese government that can get this kind of information. These what-ifs make it almost that much more difficult to kind of regulate and legislate. And the calls to ban TikTok didn't really get bipartisan until kind of the middle to end of last year. TikTok had a few kind of really big scandals. There was some reporting by a number of journalists that they were looking at the IP location data of users. The company denied it. Then in December, the company finally admitted that an audit team at ByteDance, which is TikTok's parent company, actually accessed the IP data of journalists who were doing some of this reporting on them in order to help find their sources. TikTok CEO sent a letter to employees laying out what had happened, that those employees were then fired. And it ended up being kind of both a black eye for the company, but also a real tipping point for a lot of lawmakers on both sides to look at this company and say, hey, there are some really concerning things here happening, and we probably should be taking more action than we have been. Who exactly in the U.S. government is warning about these dangers? Who's leading this effort to try to curtail or even ban TikTok? Well, we've definitely heard it from the intelligence community, you know, from the FBI and other agencies that are looking into this kind of threat. We've heard it from lawmakers of both parties, both Republicans and Democrats on the Hill, and especially from Republicans. They've really come at the Biden administration from a kind of anti-China angle. So we see, you know, President Joe Biden, some of his officials in Justice and Treasury responding to that kind of pressure and really taking a hard stance with TikTok to make sure that these security threats are addressed. 
The heart of TikTok's argument of why it should be able to continue to operate in the U.S. is something called Project Texas. They're spending $1.5 billion to get this thing going and about a billion a year after that. It largely consists of partnering with American tech giant Oracle to move all of U.S. user data to Oracle servers. It would allow Oracle to review a lot of their software and policies. And they're also doing organizational things like cordoning off all of the folks who work on U.S. user, sensitive U.S. information into kind of a new business unit called the USDS. The people who are hired into this unit will go through high levels of security review. Uh, the company has said, and they're also appointing a three-person independent panel to oversee the operations with all three of those individuals being signed off on by the government. So writ large, it is much more than you see from the likes of Meta or Twitter or some of the other competitors when it comes to kind of the security processes that they're putting in place. And yet it hasn't persuaded people in Washington that that's enough to make them think that this data is being safeguarded. It hasn't, you know, all of the kind of quirks that you see about social media, the concerns that, you know, the algorithm is influencing our minds in a way we don't understand, that they hoover up so much data, that the mental health of teens could be threatened by the types of content people see. All of those ideas are applicable to all of TikTok's competitors. But with that potential involvement from China, all of those concerns have become so much more sinister to the point where TikTok has not been able to explain or promise them away. Now, Oracle obviously has a vested interest. We've reported that TikTok would be one of their biggest customers with this new plan, and that's kind of caused some of the pause from some lawmakers who see this as a partner who's also benefiting from this arrangement with TikTok. And what does Oracle say? Oracle declined to comment on those concerns. Anna, what does TikTok say about the concerns that user data is going right to the Chinese government? Well, they, of course, say that their Project Texas plan, this is the $1.5 billion that they've poured into several layers of oversight and accountability. They say that they're doing way more than any other app out there and that they're taking extreme measures to kind of isolate U.S. user data. And they keep coming at their critics with this very fancy presentation in different formats to assure them that this will be enough. More with Anna and Alex after the break. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with a proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. 
Learn how at thehartford.com. And so we hear these various proposals of how TikTok might actually be banned. There's already been incremental steps to doing that, some in Europe and now some in the U.S. Can you explain what that is? So what we see from the U.S. Congress is four different measures that would take different approaches to banning TikTok. Three of those would kind of mandate the Biden administration to take this step. And one of them, which is the one that has received the most support, would empower the Commerce Secretary actually to evaluate the risk of any technology owned by a foreign adversary. Now, this has more than a dozen bipartisan co-sponsors and the support of the White House. And one reason why this approach has gained more gain is because it's a kind of systemic approach that addresses a behavior, not just a specific company. So it's not a bill that goes after TikTok. It's a bill that would address this kind of threat that could be dealt with in the future as well. We also should mention that there is a national security review process that's been going on in the background. For months now, TikTok's already been investigated by CFIUS, which is the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, an interagency panel that basically looks into large transactions or investments in the U.S. and has been known to block deals because of national security concerns. And that is where kind of this plan that TikTok had tried to hash out to show how it was going to protect U.S. users' data, um, that's where kind of that plan was born out of. That process basically became deadlocked. You had folks, according to our reporting in the Department of Justice, um, the FBI being in that mix, who basically didn't believe that there ever could be a proper solution that would 100% guarantee that all of these security concerns could be addressed. So once that kind of clearly came to a halt with no new back and forth since basically last fall, these four bills started to kind of trickle up that would address TikTok. Now, in a position where one of these bills, including that bill that is the lead bill, passes that would do something like force a sale of ByteDance's stake in TikTok, that would be a much larger option than TikTok continue to operate in the structure it's in now and just working with Oracle. That would entail something like a stake sale. That could look like selling it to another tech company, another partner, um, somebody like uh, another U.S. tech company. That could be something like uh, a listing once there's some kind of separation from ByteDance. We broke the news that TikTok's leadership is actually already discussing the option of a separation if this security agreement does fail in D.C., but that would be kind of a last resort option. That that kind of separation option has one really big hurdle that also should be mentioned. The Chinese government, based on current export laws, would also have to approve such a separation to have that kind of really advanced technology that TikTok has be separated from their Chinese parent company. So that right now is kind of seen as this like nuclear last resort, something that they would do in the event that TikTok might be completely banned in the United States. It is certainly not something that TikTok's leadership or ByteDance is jumping to do, or else we would have seen them bring that up in conversations because lawmakers have um, kind of expressed that they prefer that option. But that being said, it is certainly something that is kind of floated up to the discussion level as TikTok is trying to kind of figure out how do they make this work. Another question to consider when we're talking about a sale is 
if China blocks the sale of this proprietary algorithm, which is really TikTok's secret sauce, then the question for a new buyer would be, can they reconstruct the algorithm? Now, I've talked to some people on Capitol Hill who are pushing these bills and say, it can't be that hard. It can't be rocket science. They can rewrite this algorithm. But that could be surprisingly tricky to do. Can even just a slight tweak in how effective this algorithm is at targeting what you want could really cost the app some of its most devoted viewership. And we know it's tricky. We know it's tricky. Instagram and Facebook, Meta's platforms, have tried to copy it. They've been working on it for almost two years, and they still haven't figured out a way to do it as well as TikTok has. Alex, what does TikTok have to say? When it comes to divestiture, the company spokesperson say that this wouldn't actually address the specific national security concerns and that they are committed to instead going forward with their Project Texas plan. One of the questions facing TikTok is who could buy it? <laughs> you know, and that's that's a big problem for U.S. tech companies who would maybe love to have an asset this valuable, even after uh, kind of recent troubles in the past few months, still have the cash to buy it. But Facebook's parent company, Meta Platforms, is being investigated by the Federal Trade Commission for their acquisition of WhatsApp and Instagram. Regulators in the United States and Europe are seeking to block one of Microsoft's acquisitions. So you have all of the major tech companies that would be interested in an asset like this who are already facing antitrust scrutiny. So it makes it harder for them to go out and make another big purchase of a chief competitor. Alex, you described selling the company as kind of like the nuclear option, but it seems like the super nuclear option is the U.S. shutting down TikTok not just on government phones, but on everybody's phones. And I imagine that would cause quite the stir. It absolutely would. And we've already started to get a little bit of a taste for what that would look like. When some of the states in the U.S. banned TikTok on government devices, some universities took that to mean, hey, that also means technology that moves our internet, the Wi-Fi. So a number of universities, including University of Texas at Austin, the kind of flagship university in Texas, have banned TikTok from campus Wi-Fi. And obviously, um, there's been a bit of a backlash. I've talked to some students and professors on the ground at UT. One student, Grace Featherstone, even told me that she sees a ban of TikTok on the same scale as a ban of the right to have an abortion. It's just another way that the government is getting involved in your day-to-day life and telling you what you can or cannot do. It's something that, you know, harkens back to the executive order that Donald Trump put in place to attempt to ban this app, where the pushback was on grounds of free speech. So you can expect to start to see some people bubble up as this process potentially progresses and really push back and possibly see a bit of an uprising from young people who want to voice their concerns. Uh, When you look back at the midterms, that voter group under 30, they voted for Democrats, um, 60% of them. That's a 28-point margin for that voter group. They were credited with blocking this red wall. That was right after they felt the government had started taking away their rights, if you're somebody who is a liberal-leaning young voter. Now, if you take away something that is the cultural artifact of your generation, that you think of in the same vein that certain generations might think of the Beatles as like core to the identity of your generation, then you can really start to expect that folks are going to get really upset. 
Yeah, this is a huge consideration for the Biden administration. And we do see a division between the intelligence community that is very worried about the national security concerns and some of the political appointees who recognize that there is a political risk in taking such a drastic step. You know, Gina Raimundo, the Commerce Secretary, told Bloomberg Businessweek several weeks ago that if you were to ban TikTok, you would lose like every voter under 35 forever. It would be kind of fascinating and wholly unprecedented for a consumer-focused app that is this big and this popular to be banned based on a slate of concerns that some folks would argue are not really specific, but are just kind of big, scary clouds hanging over this company. I will say, as TikTok's concerns have been very much in the media these days, Meta and Snap share prices have reacted, have increased just every time that we see another big move against TikTok. And we've seen Mark Zuckerberg, however, come out and say banning TikTok would set a dangerous precedent because they would be worried about the operations of Facebook in other countries. You know, could another country take a similar position and say, well, Facebook can't operate unless user data is housed in country and we have the same kind of protections that TikTok is offering American users? And we have seen pushback from some civil society groups in the United States against the threat of a ban. We've seen the ACLU and a group called Fight for the Future who have have warned that this could really restrict freedom of expression in the United States and that this would be a very bad precedent for the U.S. government to take. We'll be right back. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. And at the top of the show, we talked about how TikTok CEO Shochu had a pretty difficult time for all the reasons that we've been discussing, all of these suspicions about whether China has access to the data of U.S. users. He walked into that hearing room thinking that he had something to offer them. And what exactly was it? So Chu's best answer to questions about security is this Project Texas plan we talked about. However, we're already very familiar with the details of this because TikTok has advertised it for months. There's posters all over the Washington Metro, ads in the Washington Post and the New York Times about how great this plan is. So we already know the details of this plan. But what he wasn't prepared for was the other questions that he got. Lawmakers asking him specifically which ByteDance executives are members of the Chinese Communist Party. And his answer to that was, I don't necessarily know. 
He was also asked about human rights abuses in China and whether or not he agrees that there are human rights abuses, especially of the Uyghur minority in West China. And his answer was, all human rights abuses are bad. I'm here to talk about TikTok. That was a very unsatisfactory answer and also made it look like he was trying to avoid criticizing China. And he was actually called out for that. You have absolutely tied yourself in knots to avoid criticizing the CCP's treatment of the Uyghur population. And then there were also a couple of additional moments. I think it was the chairwoman who cut him off, didn't allow him to answer questions around some of the more emotional moments. Um, Some of the lawmakers brought up users who had committed suicide, young users. They showed some videos, and it kind of sucked the air out of the room about content around taking one's own life. And when Chu wanted to respond to those moments, he was not given the time. On the hearing day, that room was absolutely packed to the gills, from the media gallery to the public viewers and a row of TikTok influencers that the company had brought in to try to show off uh, who is benefiting from this app. But in the end, the kind of most important folks in the room were the lawmakers sitting up in their seats and both sides, the Republicans on on Chu's left, the Democrats on Chu's right, both of them were coming at him with a level of of agreement and fervor that was matched with both the Republicans and the Democrats. Now, one new thing that he did bring in that wasn't already outlined in Project Texas was this idea of trying to explode this conversation to not be just about TikTok. He kept trying to broaden the scope and say, what about other social media companies? But lawmakers, again, were not willing, most of them were not willing to talk more broadly. So it seemed like lawmakers were really there to kind of pin them down and focus directly on TikTok and its ties, even though a lot of industry watchers and perhaps policy watchers would say there are bigger issues here than just what TikTok is bringing to the table, that there are also problems with social media writ large that should be acknowledged. But TikTok seems to be the issue that both sides both parties can actually get behind. And this is the committee that would be responsible for privacy legislation. They had a bill last year, the American Data Privacy and Protection Act, that got bipartisan support in the committee. So we did hear lawmakers naming that bill and saying, we need to revisit this comprehensive privacy plan for all companies that use user data. And that was kind of the only olive branch that we heard to chew during this hearing is, we need to look at a larger data privacy standard eventually. Where does the company go from here? For example, what happens with this big Project Texas? Are they going to move forward with it? This has really been a battle of public sentiment. So this is a moment that does not help that battle. Project Texas is something the company has still said it's committed to. They are still moving forward with that plan. They are still trying to put up what Chu continued to call a firewall around U.S. user data. And now when you think about what's next, we've heard calls for a divestment from both lawmakers and, according to people familiar with the matter, from Biden's administration as well. Uh, But there was a bit of a curveball to that plan just before the hearing. Uh, The Chinese Commerce Ministry came out and said any kind of sale would 
would have to be approved by the Chinese government. So that adds another kind of hit to his argument that there's no Chinese influence on TikTok. So the company at this point is going to continue moving forward with its plan. And the best thing they can kind of hope for is more time. That time drags on, that legislative process drags on, that the U.S. government is still kind of not in perfect alignment as to what happens next, and perhaps some discord between exactly how these two parties should come together and what's going to happen next. I spoke with Senator John Thune. He's the Republican from South Dakota who sponsored the leading legislation that could result in a TikTok ban. And he said he hopes this hearing kind of shakes loose support for his legislation and really speeds along the process to get this not just through the Democratic-led Senate, but also through the Republican-led House. And that's really the equation we're looking at now, is how these two majorities of different parties can come together and decide on the same course of action to give the administration the tools it needs in order to actually take this step. The other element of this is the national security review that the Biden administration is doing, led by the same agencies that are part of the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, CFIUS, that we talked about before. So this is another process that we see playing out. And one thing that was interesting that Chu said in the hearing is that those conversations are ongoing. Now, we have people saying that this that the administration has rejected what TikTok is offering in this Project Texas plan. But Chu says the company continues to talk to the government and is trying to find a way forward that can allow the platform to continue operating in the United States. The last piece is really the piece that TikTok tried to bring to the forefront is what do users have to say about this? They came out talking about 150 million people who are using the app. Lawmakers didn't love to see that this number is growing because that means potentially growing concerns. But these are really important voices, and we are uh, just a year out from a full election season. So if if there becomes kind of an uprising of young voters, of folks who are really vocal and kind of pushing back on some of these political optics, and if there are not strong reasons for the government to ban this app, then that could be another factor that plays in TikTok's favor. But, you know, we haven't seen that uprising yet, so perhaps that will be something that bubbles up in the coming months. Alex Barinka, Anna Edgerton, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to us here at The Big Take. It's a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us questions or comments to bigtake at bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of The Big Take is Vicki Bergolina. Our senior producer is Katherine Fink. Rebecca Shaston is our producer. Our associate producer is Sam Gebauer. Phil DeGarcia is our engineer. Our original music was composed by Leo Sidrin. I'm Wes Kosova. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Take. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how 
at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce.